everybody. Um, who knows what gift we're looking at today? Anybody remember? It's been a while since I've been up here, so I don't fault you. We're going to look at, at the gift of giving. So you can open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. We can start there. But before I read that text, um, this, is a, this is an interesting gift to me. Uh, let me give you just a few observations at the outset. I, I, I have observed that this is one of the more rare gifts. Um, and I, 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 I speculate a little bit about why that might be. I, I don't know that I have a good answer, but, but I think in God's economy, a little goes a long way with this particular gift. Think, think about your life and where someone has given to you in a way that met an answered need, like especially something that you're praying for. I can think of two, two I, have, I have dozens of these stories, but I have at least two that come to mind immediately. When Eric and I very first were, went to our first church service together as a married couple, God was just beginning to work in our lives. And we went to a little local Baptist church, and um, we were sitting there. We'd probably been going there a couple months, and and they were passing an offering plate, and and we were working really diligently to try to reform our lives. You know, we were coming from a very very dark place, and and I remember there was some need that was being mentioned in the congregation that night in the meeting, and <clears throat> I opened up my wallet. And I had twenty dollars. It was the last twenty dollars in my name, like literally the last twenty dollars in my name. And I, I leaned over to Eric and I said, "I feel like we should give this twenty dollars." And she said, "Yeah." So we did. But then, as soon as I walked out of that meeting, I didn't know how I was going to pay for gas for the rest of the week. I didn't know how things were going to go. It was literally my last twenty dollars. And um, the the either the day after or the or the next day after that, the the pastor from that church showed up at my house with about $150 worth of groceries because we were also out of food. And uh, I was like, well, what's this about? And he said, somebody asked me to bring you groceries. And it had such a, um, it was so validating, like to know that God was taking care of us. And that's like, that's, if you can distill this gift, that's what it is. It's the way that God, these people and what they do is the way that God meets people's needs because he uses people to do this. I found out many, many years later that my, my grandfather actually was the reason for that gift. He, he knew that I w had been living on the streets and he was worried about me and he was concerned. He didn't want to send me money, so he sent us something to the church because he still wasn't sure how this was all going to shake out in our lives. I don't remember how we learned that, but we did many years later. There was another time, this is quite a bit later, years later, um, I remember coming home and the cupboards were bare and the the refrigerator was empty and I came home from work and and there was a an envelope from the return address was Matthew 63 and I opened it up and it was a bunch of money 
And there's little, these little moments in my life where, where God's used my brothers, people that are close to me and people that are far from me, to, to keep me going, like to, to literally supply what's needed right then and right there. And that's the heart of giving. That's what's at the, at the center of what we're going to talk about today. So why don't we look at Romans chapter 12. I don't have my glasses. I'll have to strain a little bit to read it. Romans 12 um, and verse 4. For we, as we have many members in one body. Thank you, honey. As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. And here we get the first variance. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Well, that's interesting in and of itself. Like I said there, that's the first variation we get in this list. So it's the first thing that the author said. I want to change, like, it, before this he says, essentially, if your gift is prophecy, then do prophecy. If your gift is serving, then do serving. If your gift is teaching, then do teaching. If your gift is exhorting, then do exhortation. But here when he gets to giving, he says, if your gift is giving, do it with simplicity. Well, why the change? I think, I think the way that I conceptualize these things, like like my initial, the way I opened up, that saying this, these are, in my observation, the 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 rarest of the giftings in people that I know. There's something really dynamically powerful about this, the way that this operates in the world and in the church, and and right here at the at the giving of this list, Paul Paul's warning us like. Keep it simple. Like, don't make, don't, don't blow this up because there's a lot of opportunity to use this particular kind of gift for self. Like, you can make a lot of yourself by being a giver. And so Paul's, you know, Jesus is dealing with this in the Sermon on the Mount. Let not the right hand know what the left hand does. That's that Matthew 6, 3 passage. And, and wherever we find giving in the New Testament, there's these kind of like, there's these these parenthetical warnings like keep it where it belongs like don't use it for yourself don't turn your giving into a flashlight on your face where look what I have done for you or look what I'm doing for people or look what look at me this is this is a warning that givers need I'm gonna look at um, I'm gonna look at a few instances of giving in the New Testament um, we could obviously start with Jesus because there's, you know, the especially the later pastoral epistles refer to how Jesus, you know, made himself a no reputation, but he made he was made poor. He who was rich was made poor for us. Like this giving out of himself is so intrinsic to who Jesus was in his ministry that it 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 almost doesn't need to be said. Like the pouring of himself out, the giving of himself, like literally himself for us, not just his riches, not just his possessions, not just his, 
his his intellect and teaching, but literally himself, his blood is poured out for us. He's the ultimate concept of a gift and a giver in the same thing. But there, there are some really notable examples of where giving is used in the Bible, and it, I think it helps understand what God's doing through this gift. And, and, and as a paradigm to begin with, let's look at Exodus in chapter 36. Exodus 36 in verse 1 says, Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spoke unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Neither let man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. And this, this, I think, the reason I wanted to start here is because I think this is God's purpose in this gift. In, in the list of these seven gifts... This is how God has ordained to see that the work is done. He uses the resource of all of us, but in particular of the givers, to, to facilitate the work being done. And, and in this case, you know, there's this outpouring of, of, of offering. There's more than is needed. And I can't tell you as someone who's, who's been involved with church work for a long time, how on the one hand disheartening it is when you put out a need to the church and you're left wanting like the need isn't met because I don't know why because the people don't have the resource or whatever but to say hey brothers and sisters here's a need among us and for that not to be met which has happened in my past is really sad it's you you wonder like what what are we missing like where are we where are we not not able to meet our needs, uh, and that that that's kind of distressing. But on the other hand, to pu- to put it out to God's people, here's a need, and to have to tell God's people, hey, stop, that's enough, we don't need any more. That's it's such a blessing. It's so good to have to say, please stop, it's enough, and that's where I think God wants. So so you know, it it speaks to all of us that. We should give when the call comes. You know, we need to we need to bear one another's burdens and meet these needs. And the people that do that particularly well, the people that that see those things and have have real access to doing this, are are the givers. Um, <clears throat> this fa- facilitation of the work, though, is the is the important thing I wanted to highlight here in Exodus. And and if we jump forward into Second Corinthians, we see. A much more contemporary example of this. Now we're out of the context of the temple, the Old Testament temple, and we're looking at at God's people. 
in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This kind of this whole chapter is about about collection and giving and what what Paul says here is moreover brethren we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia how that in great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality for to their power I bear record yea and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich." And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year, a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Basically saying, give, give the things that you, you possess. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man has, and not according to that a man has not. I'm not asking you to give more than you can. For I mean not that other men be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he hath gathered much, had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Now, this is, a, this is a, a, an economic principle of the kingdom of God that goes all the way back to the prophets. Like That's, a, that's the recitation of a prophecy there. The, and and it's, worth, it's worth reviewing all these ideas from the Old Testament prophets of the crooked paths being made straight, of the mountains being brought down and the valleys being filled up, of him that gathered too much had nothing left over, and him that gathered not enough had nothing wanting. This great equalization is a is a is a primary principle of the messianic kingdom. Like it's it's it in in prophetic terms, it's what Jesus is coming to do. He's coming literally to equalize and to level the playing field and to make everybody at the same place like that's the point to all of this symbolic terminology in the prophets and 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 giving is a place where this is very very manifest where it's obvious there's a couple of people who who really grab a hold of this idea in church history the cappadocians capitalize on these things john wesley capitalized on these teachings um, but there's a very old heritage for this idea how many of you have read the Shepherd of Hermas? Not enough of you. Let me let me share with you. So the Shepherd of Hermas is is a, a a writing from the early church. It's an apocalyptic 
an apocalyptic writing from Hermas, and the early church assumed that it was Paul's friend Hermas that wrote it. And it was in, in, on several occasions when the church talked about uh, the scriptures, the shepherd of Hermas was in the list of works that was endorsed to be read in the assembly. So in, in the terms of the early church, this was something that you would hear from time to time being read with the readings in the weekly, in the weekly message. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. There's a whole allegory that happens in Shepherd of Hermas where he, he goes, what, what Hermas is, is a series of, of visions and revelations. Like he's walking with an angelic interpreter, like a guide, and he sees something and he says, what does that mean? And his guide tells him what it means. And some of that's about building, some of it's about nature. It's all these revelations that are seen in visions. In, in, this, in the second one that he has, it's, a, it's about a vine and an elm. And he looks at that and he says, what's this about? And this is the interpretation of what that means. The, the angel says to Hermas, The rich man has much wealth, but is poor in matters relating to the Lord because he is distracted about his riches. And he offers very few confessions and intercessions to the Lord, and those which he does offer are small and weak and have no power above. But when the rich man refreshes the poor and assists him in his necessities, believing that what he does to the poor man will be able to find its reward with God, because the poor man is rich in intercession and confession and his intercession has great power with God, then the rich man helps the poor in all things without hesitation. And the poor man, being helped by the rich, intercedes for him, giving thanks to God, for him who bestows gifts upon him. And he still continues to interest himself zealously for the poor man, that his wants may be constantly supplied. For he knows that the intercession of the poor man is acceptable and influential with God. Both accordingly accomplish their work. The poor man makes intercession, a work in which he is rich, which he received from the Lord, and with which he recompenses the master who helps him. And the rich man, in like manner, unhesitatingly bestows upon the poor man the riches which he received from the Lord, and this is a great work and acceptable before God, because he understands the object of his wealth and has given to the poor of the gifts of the Lord and rightly discharged his service to him. And then it, it ends with, Blessed are they who have riches and who understand that they are from the Lord, for they who are of that mind will be able to do some good. So this idea is very, very deeply rooted in the history of the church that, that there's, almost a, there's almost a purposeful inequality in possession. Like the way that the world is ordered is such that some people have more than they need and some people have less than they need. And it's the interest of the church to equalize those things. And, and here in Hermas, that scale tips both ways. The poor man has access to something with God that the rich man doesn't have. And the rich man has access to possessions that the poor man doesn't have. And when they meet each other's needs, they find equilibrium. And equilibrium is the name of the game for the church. This is what we want. Like there's several expressions of this equality throughout the New Testament. Um, 
The other example that I that I thought to look at is um, the widow's mite because I don't want to I don't want to m- mistake the idea that that the only giving that can be done or is meaningful is is by those with great wealth. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, it's in it's in Luke twenty one, but we all we all know it well. I think Jesus is sitting with the disciples and he sees all these people throwing into the treasury, and he singles out the widow who gives just her might, and he 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 commends her and he says, "These all gave out of their abundance, but she out of her want. It cost her something to give that little bit, and that's worth more." to God than the all that was given before her that was given out of abundance. And so it, it, it happens to be that I think God, God especially endows, oftentimes when we see people with the gift of giving, they're endowed with a kind of faith as they operate in the church to be able to give past their means. They, they're people that, that do this recklessly and often, and, and, and they seem to find their way through life. They, always, they, never, they, they never outgive God, but they're always, they're always putting out instead of taking in. Um, the other story I thought worth mentioning in talking about giving is, is, is the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, there is, at the end of the story, the Samaritan leaves with the innkeeper some money and says, take care of whatever he needs. And if, if it's more than this, I'll make up for it when I come back through. And that kind of giving, like, that's, that's really astounding, right? It's a beautiful gesture. But the thing I want to highlight about the Samaritan is that his giving starts way before the money. Like, his giving starts in seeing the need and his call, his, his responsibility to, to, to render aid. He, he's the one of all those that pass by this poor man who's been, been abused. He, he automatically, when he sees the need, feels the responsibility to care for it. And that care is why he gives the money at the end. Like the money at the end of the story is just a symptom. The real giving that the Samaritan does is, is the care that he gives to want to, to feel a responsibility to meet this need in a person who is a stranger who he happens to pass by. And at their best, this is something that's in the heart of the givers. They're, they're exemplary in this. They, they have this feeling of responsibility to care and and at their best they're not just giving their money although they certainly do that but they're giving of themselves and i think that's what they want they it's certainly within the church they want to be giving of themselves they want to be involved in meeting people's needs Um, okay. So, let's flip back to Romans for a second. Uh, 
I had I don't feel like I've made the case as well as I should that that there's kind of a, a code to be broken within this passage. You know, we look at this Romans 12 section where we read the, the list of the gifts, you know, um, and, and giving is the end, towards the end of verse 7. But then the, 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 the following verses seem to have instructions specific to those gifts as you count them out. And if you read into verse 9 and 10, what we find by the time we get to verse 13 is the gift is the the admonition that would respond directly to, to the gift of giving if we read them in in order of the gift list and what verse 13 says is distributing to the necessity of the saints and given to hospitality so i just wanted to point that out that that there's an admonition for each of these gifts that that follows after this list of gifting. I want to look at, you know, in in the in the other gifts that we've looked at, I've kind of picked a token person for who 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 displays this gift, and I don't really have one for this gift. I I, I don't. Maybe if I spent some more time thinking about it, I could come up with a person who personifies this particular gift or displays it particularly well. But I don't know. I mean, there are some great examples, um, but they're sh they're short stories. I don't. I don't. I, I couldn't find a, a life that particularly displays this gift. But I'm glad for this one that it's it's such a tangible effect in the world. The giver. So let's let's talk about the relative strengths and weaknesses of the gift of of giving. I would say that that when we're looking at the attributes of the giver, these are people who, who they, the way that the teacher is, is geared towards knowledge, the way that the prophet is geared towards truth, the giver is just geared towards resource. They're, they often find themselves in business and they often find themselves with doing well um, because they they are so resource oriented, they just see and can plot their way through the issues that come along with resources very well. It's just how they see things. They see things in terms of 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 money and access and investment and opportunity. That's the way they view the world. And those are really useful things. Um, they have an ability to use time and money and possessions to advance the work and causes that matter to them. It seems like in, in, in their proper orientation, they're out gathering for the purpose of doing other things, uh, of, of facilitating work that they believe in and think is important. Um, The, that particular ability, that root to their, to their personality, if they, don't, if they don't find things to invest in or if they don't find their purpose in God, they ironically become hoarders. They become people who gather resources and don't put it out. That's the, that's the negative version of this particular access that these people have. They, and and I, wanted to, I wanted to 
cite a principle in general with these gifts is that these gifts are designed to, to function in the church for the good of God's purposes. And when they're taken out of that place, when they're taken out of that role, when they're not submitted to the Holy Spirit and to the service of the kingdom, they have this way of producing, ironically, the opposite of their intended purpose. So the giver becomes a hoarder. Like those are opposite dispositions. But it's what happens because they have the capacity to be to be accumulating resources if they don't use that where it belongs, it produces the opposite effect of what God intended. And the same is true with all of these gifts. You know, the... Um, the server becomes lazy and reluctant to do things. The prophet becomes someone who leads people away from truth. The, the, the teacher confuses people. Like when these things are taken out of their proper orientation, they have the opposite effect of what God's trying to do with these people in the church. So that's something to be mindful of. Whatever, whatever your gift is, to know that, that these things have to be submitted and surrendered to the church in order to to do what God designed them to do. Um, givers, th- th- like we mentioned with the, the Good Samaritan, they don't just give money, they, they, they also give of themselves and that they want to, generally. Um, and their possessions. The, they, see, they see everything in the terms of resource. That's a good way to say it. They're usually all in on the projects that they, that they support and endorse. And, and in fact, um, one, one of the negatives of that is sometimes they're a little too skeptical to invest in things and they wanna make sure it's, it's 100% exactly what they think it's gonna be and gonna do before they'll, before they'll invest and it can invest their time and resources into something. And, and that can cause them to hold back in ways where God would want to use them to meet needs and they're reluctant to do it because they're, they're overly skeptical. Uh, they, their ability to, to finance and fund things can um, produce a negative effect in that a giver can be subject to the subtle temptation to control people with money. It's, it's just one of the liabilities of this gift. If you have access to resources, that you use those resources to tr- try to control people or get your way. Um, givers, they, they, they generally want to give the best things possible. When they, when they put their resources into a person or a project, they do it to the full extent that they can or that they think is wise. But the limitation of this is that these gifts, especially when they're poured out on a person, can increase that person's standard of living or expectations in ways that are damaging to the recipient of their gifts. Like it can cause people to be dissatisfied or not dependent on other things. They can become... Um, people can start to look to givers as the thing they need to meet their needs instead of God. And that's a, that's a destructive cycle once that happens. Um, 
Givers want to be an answer. This is a positive thing. Givers want to be an answer to real needs in people's lives. They, they don't want to just give things to people to make them happy. They really want to meet needs. That's what's at the core of this motivation. They're eager not just to give, but to be an answer to prayer. And because they know the power of money and what relation it has to people, uh, they usually want to give in secret and without fanfare. They want to know, the, the desire they have is, they want to know that a, a need was meant, met. Um, because givers are very sensitive to the, to the corrupting power of resources, they can, they can end up being kind of um, miserly or overly sparing, especially with their own families or with people who are close to them. Givers are usually very thrifty because they see resources as potential and they don't want to squander potential. They're, they're good at recognizing potential, so, so they, can, they can tend to be very thrifty, which isn't a bad thing at all, it's good. Um, a few words of, of advice to givers is that it's good to not act autonomously. Um, it's wise for a giver, and I've seen the, I've only been friends with a few givers that I know, and in in the cases of friends of mine who have been givers, um, they end out they end up. There's a high potential of giving in places that end up not being helpful. Um, and what I would recommend to any giver, anybody who has this gift is to not act autonomously. What I, what I would recommend to a giver is find some find some people in the church to give you advice. Like when you're considering giving a gift, especially if it's something substantial or life-changing, to check in with people who are either intimately involved in that situation or an authority in that situation and and say it's not a compromise to check and get counsel. Uh, like I think there's it's good. It's a right impulse to to say, Jesus said, let not your left hand know what your right hand does. I'm just going to give. Nobody needs to know about it. And those are all right motivations. But but especially if it's something substantial, to to check in with somebody who's involved with the situation and say, I was thinking about doing this. I just want to make sure it's not going to get in the way or frustrate that something that God's trying to do or frustrate something that the church is trying to do or end up setting this person up for failure in the future. Those things can happen with gift giving and it's good to check with, with other people involved to see that that's not the case. Um, Yeah, and lastly, I would say that the givers generally recognize um, these these Bible principles that that Hermes talks about, and that the that the Old Testament talks about, where um, God promises that He that lends to the poor lends to Him. Um, givers typically recognize that. You know, to to meet people's needs, especially the least among us, is 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 to honor and to serve Christ. And these are the the, the great virtues of the gift of the giver. And they're exemplary. They're it's it's 
it would be a, a terrible mistake if all of us who are not givers would look upon needs around us and say, well, that's the giver's job to give. What we should be doing is we should be looking at givers if we have those people around us and in our life and say, that's an example that I want to follow and emulate. I want to see the, the, the blessing that these people are creating in the lives around them and in the church and, and model, follow that model and learn that behavior because like all these gifts these are things that we're supposed to be modeling and and imitating throughout the church i'll say one last word and we'll we'll close here um about about how this like looking at exodus and looking at second corinthians and seeing how god uses these people, these givers, to create space for God to do things. I think that I've, I've seen the reality of this in my own, my own journey, especially in regards to communitarianism. I, I set out from, from Oregon in, in the early 2000s with a, with a keen interest to find myself into an intentional community, and I was a part of several before I moved to Boston. With, with limited ex, uh, success in most of those cases, and oftentimes the need that we ran into, the, one of the major problems that we happened upon in our experiments with trying to establish Christian communities was, was resources. It just didn't, it just wasn't, we weren't able to make it happen. We couldn't make the space for, for setting up and, and running a community without, without the resources that are required for that. And in fact, when I, when I moved here to Boston, one of the, one of the factors, um, when I talked with Finney, uh, after we talked about, you know, spir spiritual disciplines, doctrine and practice, and we were in, in good harmony with each other and some things that we both thought were important, the thing that tipped me over the balance towards m moving here and, and, and getting involved in Fathers of the Way with, with Finney was that as someone who, who is, has the wisdom of the gift of a giver, he, he was able to make space for this community to get off the ground and work. And, and, and I could see for the first time how how necessary that gift was to supplying, to making the space for something, for God to do something. And, and uh, the story doesn't end there. I also think that it's been interesting watching someone with that gifting um, react wisely to, to not setting up, you know, dependency cycles or becoming the center of attention or or, or having a hand in everything and not allowing things to work without, without him being at the center. All of those things have been um, instrumental in, in seeing and understanding how this gift works in the church. And, and, um, and yeah, that's, I, I just, I think these are, this is a beautiful gift. My intention in talking about these gifts, I think that when, when we analyze each of these seven gifts, my hope is that... <coughs> If that's not your gift, that as we talk about it, you look at it and you say, 
wow, that's really beautiful. I want to learn how to be like that. And if that is you, if we're talking about your gift, you say, wow, I need to be careful and train myself to use this carefully and cautiously and wisely for the good of the people around me and for the good of the kingdom. So that's, that's givers for today. Let's, let's give thanks and we'll close with a song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how you've, you've built the world around us and especially how you've built us in particular, how you've, you've given gifts to us and, and you've made us certain ways with certain capacities and strengths and weaknesses. And we pray, Father, as we continue to examine these things in the church, we would be wise, that we would see, understand, appreciate, train, and, and make room for all of the things that you're doing with your people among us. We bless you, Father, for the gifts that you give to men. We bless you for the gift that Christ was. And we we thank you especially for those brothers and sisters throughout the whole history of the church who have given of themselves, who who have made themselves who are rich to be poor for the good of those around them. Pray that we learn from these people and learn from this gift and emulate it so that we could be more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.